Broncos All-Decade Tackle Orlando Franklin. Two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown. Former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson. 1043 The Band welcomes you into the Players Club. Broncos have some tough decisions to make here in the next couple of days. Guys who have laid it on the line for you. 90 of them. You handpicked them. You picked these guys to come in. You didn't just say, oh, yeah, that guy's good. No, you liked them all. That's why you signed them. And you you develop a bond with them. You get close with these guys. And then, well, you got to cut them. Uh, 90 goes down to 53. Plus, you got 16 for the practice squad. That's 69. Now, they might end up pulling some dudes from other teams. Sean Payton has been clear about how it's not just this one team you're playing for, it's the 31 others. And we're also watching the other 31 teams. But Sean Payton was asked after this game how difficult it is cutting players. Here he is. It's always difficult this time of year. That hadn't changed really in 16 years for me. I typically meet with every player. I was on the other side of that four times. And pretty soon my mom said, you need to start coaching or doing something else. The dream for so many of these guys is still alive, even if it's not here. The thing that keeps, I don't want to say us up at night, but making sure we find the right 53 and that you don't want to lose a player when when you had control over it and then have him have success somewhere else. So to credit the players, you know, they a lot of guys will make this challenging with, with their efforts tonight, during the week, really, and even last week. So um, it's always difficult. You can't help but think Albert O when he's saying that. Can you? Uh, you don't want to lose a guy when you have control of him and watch him have success somewhere else. Yeah, but that's like, I think the Broncos are okay with Albert O having success somewhere else. Really? I think that's more for the, the 21 guys, Nate. The, the, you know, you talked about 53. You talk about 16 being on practice squad. Well, when you have 90 out there in camp and you just do the math, that's 69. 69 subtract, you know, 90 is uh, 21. I Look think he's talking about guy. 21 guys. Yeah. You know that that aren't going to be home, here. That aren't going to be here. Right. That are going to be at home waiting to get a phone call, waiting for an injury. And you know that's another thing we we have never talked about that aspect. That, that locker room talk about different guys' journey. I know we've talked at length about our our three of our journeys, like Chad's and mine and yours, and they're so different. But I remember like meeting a guy that from practice squad to practice squad, and then all of a sudden to catch on. Yep. You look at a guy like Raheem Mostert right now for the Miami Dolphins running back. He was cut by six different teams before the 49ers found him and then became this star out there with the 49ers and this star in the NFL and one year had the highest GPS recorded in NFL history, right? So you look at kind of what Sean Payton is saying, in my opinion, like I get what he's saying, but I don't think it's for Albert O. I think the Broncos are going to look at Albert O as a asset to get better as a football team where they might be able to bring in some – like real depth or maybe even a starter at another position. But these other guys, yes. You know, you, you got to evaluate these guys. You got to be like, man, are we sure? You know, a guy that comes to mind for me is Elijah Garcia. What do you do with him? Or Matt Henderson. What the heck do you guys do with those two guys? Because if you release those two guys, those guys will be making plays for a, another team for sure. Yeah, Matt Henderson, he's going to make the team, right? Don't you think? I mean, maybe. I mean, he, right? he played in every game last year. You see Tyler Lancaster, he didn't play this past week, right? You know, Mike Purcells, he took that pay cut and readjusted salary. So maybe when you start looking at it. 
So when you were uh, in those coaching rooms, because you coached with the Niners and you got to be Yeah, I wasn't preview to this, Nate. Well, you weren't, <laughs> it's you, above my pay grade, baby. So you weren't in there when they were talking about who to cut and whatnot? Oh, heck no. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't even think half the coaching staff is really in there. Yeah. I think the coaching staff kind of, I think how the 49ers did it, I think they kind of say like, hey, these are my must-haves, but right. it's really Kyle and John making that 53. Yeah. Like, I remember showing up the day of cuts and when the 53 was assembled, and I don't remember hearing any conversations about it, like, as the coaches. So, that was above my pay grade, baby. One year intern, you know, hey, you know, you go sit over here, oh, you know, let the grown-ups talk. Well, I'm just wondering, like, what, how much premium these coaches put on a guy who is resilient, who is, has been cut six times, who has had a crazy journey. You know, you want to fill your locker room, not with just first round draft picks. You want to fill it with dudes who have been humbled, who, who believe, like who cherish the the opportunities that they've had, who are going to take advantage of it, who, who are honored to have been given that spot, you know, and not a guy, a bunch of guys who have been handed that spot based on their talent or, or how good their college career was or whatever. You probably want to make that team a combination of guys with different journeys, right? Yeah. So they can feed off of one another. So the guys don't get complacent. So the guys stay hungry. So they get pushed by the bottom of the roster who want to just prove every day that they they belong on this team. Because, you know, there's going to be guys who make the team, but who will always feel in danger of being cut yeah. week in and week out. They make a bad play at practice. They're worried they're going to get cut right after practice. Yeah. But those are the types of guys that are the motor for the daily kind of grind out there and can push, you know, the young – or I'm sorry, the – Those are the guys that you go up against every single day in practice. Those are the practice squad guys yeah. that get you ready to play in a game. A guy that I hated here when I played for the Denver Broncos was Mitch Unright. I'd show up on a, on a Wednesday. I'd be like, yo, Mitch. Body kind of banged up, dude. We got we had sixty nine plays last week. You let's know, take you, it easy. Yeah, let's take it easy. You know, you, you played like twelve of them things. <laughs> you know, your body's feeling a lot fresh, and you'd be like, "All right, oh, I got you, I got you." And <laughs> would go out there and just absolutely take it to me, and I'd be like, "Dang, Mitch, what's up?" He's like, "Bro, I can't just go out here and lay an egg, oh, like they they will cut me." Yeah, and I remember being mad at the time. But I'd just be like, all right, let's go. Like, you know, just tighten my chin strap tighter. Let's go. Like, I might have to add a little bit of extra tape for my hands on the sideline because I knew what time of practice it was. But the games became easier. So you want to fill your roster, especially the bottom half of your roster, with guys like that, with guys that have that mindset. I think it's got to be a combination of guys that have that mindset, Nate, but also a combination of guys that truly believe that they should be the starter. There, there is a little bit of a chip on their, on their chest. They're looking at, like, Albert O say, man, yeah, he's good, but he can't block. Watch me go. What I go do in this blocking period? Yep. Right. To, like I think so. You got to find that 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 balance. I, I think on every football team, every roster has to have that nice balance. Those guys that truly believe that it could be any given day that the Reaper walks in and says, "Hey, come see me," but also guys that are saying, "Man, I, I should be the guy. I should be the guy." I'm here every single day to prove to the coaches and open up their eyes that, hey, instead of maybe only thinking about me getting five plays this week, like I'm going to make sure by the end of this week now those five plays turned into 15 plays this week when we play this game. Like you, you got to have that. And then you have your starters where you know, they're trying to get through practice. They're trying to make sure they get the game plan down because they know that their body's getting ready to go through that damage that, during that week and they got to go put it on the line on Sundays. I love that. If I'm Sean Payton, I want 53 dudes who all believe they should be starters. Mm. You know, we can't make them all starters, but we want you all hungry. We want you all believing 
in your talent. Sean Payton was asked when the cuts are going to be made. Here he is. Well, we've already been meeting on it. We'll keep meeting on it. I'm not going to give you the information relative to when we're telling our players or meeting with them because we'll have different groups at different times. But it happens in the next three days. You know, then practice squad. Then So it takes a minute. And, and I would say this, you guys have done this long enough that the first week and a half or two weeks of this season is very noisy. It, it isn't until about week three where you begin to, you know, the, the transaction numbers in our league become fairly consistent but week one and just think every team's going from 90 to 53 i say 90 to 53 90 to 53 protected and then once your candidates to be on the practice squad are clear so it takes it takes a minute i mean there's there's and and then we're evaluating everyone else's cuts you know we claimed fifth this year which is high and then that's a a good spot to be in i don't you don't want to be in that spot but that's what it is sounds like a complicated process there's a lot of musical chairs going on right now. I don't even, like, I saw just yesterday the Broncos made a couple moves, right, where they were, they waved a couple guys, and Kendall Hinton was a part of that wave, but then they released, like, Isaiah Perkins. And I was just like, yeah. like what's the difference? Mm, you know what I mean? Right. So there's still things that we're trying to learn, and but it definitely sounds like a complicated process. Well, you mentioned Isaiah Prince. Maybe a surprise cut there. Um, encouraging performance by the O-line the other night. Physical playing style. They rushed for 152 yards and kept the pocket pretty clean. What's going on with this offensive line and who's going to make this squad? We'll do that next. You've been admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. to the Players Club, where the players dwell. It's me and Big O hanging out here. Yeah, buddy. Sun's coming out. Eh, you get a little rain, though, the last couple days, huh? We were at the pool yesterday, and uh, they had to shut that thing down. Oh, right? for real. Saw some light, and Mm-mm. lifeguards like, yo, hey, time to go. Let's go. Everybody yeah. out. Yeah, you don't want to be in a, po- in a pool when they just get struck by lightning. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen all the old movies, right, when... I don't know if you're old enough to have seen these movies, though. When when they push a toaster in the bathtub? Uh, I've the, seen, like, yeah. I've, the, the, the black and white films? Not I think black I remember and white, seeing but that like at 80s, some point. Like, in the 80s, it was a popular way to kill somebody <laughs> in movies was to put a toaster in the bathtub or something like, or like a, a stereo I thought it, Yeah, like a, a radio or something, right? Yeah. yeah. I wonder if that actually works. And why do you have a toaster in the bathroom? Like, why are you toasting bread... <laughs> In the bathroom. Do you have I you ever, don't remember the toaster. I remember a lot, like, seeing the radio a lot. Yeah. You know? um, have you ever eaten... Uh, radio would make sense. Have you ever eaten in the bathtub? Eaten in the bathtub. Um, yes. Like, uh, <laughs> so like, like Sid's saying, yes. Yes, yes, she has. Yeah. Well, what, like... Snacks. Like, so good snacks. Like, what snacks. kind of snacks? Like chocolate-covered pretzels. Okay. Mm. Um... All kinds of pretzel, honey mustard pretzels. <laughs> I actually did that All the other day. All sorts of pretzels. How long? You go on that vacation with, with your significant other somewhere. Yeah. All inclusive. Chocolate covered strawberries yeah, or something. Might, they might have a little fruit platter. But you're not doing like a you're not doing like a quarter pounder with cheese in the bathtub though. Oh no, there's there is bath. <laughs> there's certain foods that are made for the bathtub. All right. Ramos Law. Ramos Law. Text line. Help us out. What foods are acceptable in the bathtub? And which are not. 303-713-1043.
We're going to get into this old line talk, but I, I, I read this thing on, on the Twitter uh, machine. Actually, it's called X now. It's not called Twitter. You're not allowed to call it Twitter. But And I don't know if this is accurate because you get a lot of weird stuff on Twitter, but there was this story about Matt Stafford having a hard time connecting with his young teammates. I saw that. Having to go so far as uh, the equipment staff printing out a Facebook so he can remember everyone's name and make an attempt to get to know him. Um, I don't know if this quote is accurate, but it says, I don't know how to lead people I have no connection with. I have to fi- somehow find a way to connect with them. There was a quote from Matthew Stafford's wife, Kelly, on her podcast. And I know she does have a podcast. And it says, they get out of practice they go and meetings during training camp, and they go straight to their phones. No one looks up from their phones. Matthew's like, I don't know. Am I the dad? Do I take their phones? What do I do here? He's like, I want, I, I want them to see me not as a coach, but they say sir to him and stuff. He's like, no, we're on the same level here. We're both playing in the league. Let me get to know you. Mm. That's a challenge these days. You know, when you're trying to build a team, you don't, you already don't have as much time at the facility and practice and stuff like that. And then guys are down in their phones. How do you combat that as a leader on your team or even as a coach? Many different ways if you're Matthew Stafford in a situation like that. Hey, man, let's go watch some extra film. Hey, you're going to go grab lunch? Let's go grab lunch real quick. Like, and, and you kind of walk into that lunchroom. And if you're walking into that lunchroom together, it's kind of already this preconceived notion that you're going to sit together, right? And we're going to have, we're going to have lunch and be able to have that conversation. Uh, different things where every single locker room in the NFL, especially during training camp, there's some kind of games going on, right? Ping pong, pool, uh, you know, card games, whatever. Certain places, there's video games that are set up. I think Matthew Stafford's going to have to open up himself a little bit more and kind of invite these young guys because a lot of these young guys are probably a little bit intimidated. That is Matthew Stafford. He did win a Super Bowl. This guy for many, many years, you know, was a 4,000-yard plus thrower, even out there in Detroit when things weren't good. Like, he was balling, right? So guys can be a little timid. I remember when Peyton Manning walked through that door, I was like, hey, Peyton, how you doing? <laughs> like, so, did you call him sir? Yes, Hi, the hello, first sir. time. Hey, hey, sir, how you doing? No, sir, <laughs> Peyton. I think Omaha. It's just Matthew Stafford is going to be have to be the one to break that ice. There, there unfortunately, there is a younger generation that you know want to be on social media, dives into their phone. But if the quarterback speaks in the locker room, typically guys are like, "What? What are you saying?" That, that like they poke their head up out of that phone once they hear that voice. So Stafford, just put yourself out of there a little bit. Hey, let's go to lunch. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Let's go watch some film. Um. No doubt, though, it's a challenge because, remember, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, a couple years ago, Cliff Kingsbury, when he took over for Arizona Cardinals, famously said he was going to have built-in, like, Instagram breaks and stuff like that for guys to look at their phones. <laughs> it didn't work out there. Yeah. They, they had a little run where they were playing decent football. Mm-hmm. But, like, how would this fly? You know how they, some, like, uh, you, go, you go to a show, for example. You go to a Dave Chappelle show, they lock your cell phone in one of those bags. You can't, you can't use a cell phone there. I think that's, like, all comedy shows now. Yeah. Yeah, now. So uh, how about they do that when you walk in the facility and you get it when you walk out? You can't do that. Why? Because a Dave Chappelle show, you're going there for an hour and a half. A facility, when I'm walking in on a Wednesday, I'm showing up at 6.30 in the morning. Treatment starts at 6. I'm not a treatment guy. I don't really love trying to get on that list, but I'll be in there kind of doing some preventative stuff, getting working out the soreness and stuff like that. But I'm walking into that facility at 6.30. The first time of the day, First meeting typically starts around 7.30. From 7.30 all the way now to 5 p.m., you're working. 
Guys have kids. Guys have responsibilities. They have wives. They have businesses. They have different things. And, yes, you know, as a football player, you walk in that building, you kind of forget what's going on. I just had this discussion with my wife yesterday saying this is what I miss the most about the game of football. I haven't found that thing that I could walk into and just lose myself in it for like an hour or two. Whereas where football, you kind of do that, but there's still – you have to be able to communicate with the outside world when you're in that building because you're just in that building for long hours throughout the course of a day. I. What about just restricting its use, you know, to a, a couple of hours or something like Hell that? Hell yeah, I'm all for that. I thought Cliff Kimberry was crazy when I heard that, the whole, you know, Instagram breaks and that we find that guys do better and pay attention more when you do this. Well, when I saw the Johnny Menzel documentary a couple of weeks ago, I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like seeing like Cliff Kingsbury and his thought process and how he handled Johnny Menzel. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, now I understand why they were like Instagram breaks for the Arizona Cardinals. It just shows you the difficulty building a team these days, where, wherever you are. You're in high school, you're in college, you're in professional ranks. These things that we keep around in our pockets, these supercomputers, they're a detriment to the physical human connection that's required to do something special as a group. Mm-hmm. Any way you look at it, 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 it disconnects you from the moment. And um, But that's the thing, though. Do you really think it disconnects you from the moment, Nate? Because I think, like, when you walk into a locker room, who are the guys that are speaking up? Like, you've played with Rod Smith, for instance, right? If you were in today's NFL and you're a young guy, you walk in, that's Rod Smith that's in that locker room. As soon as he says something, he, like, you're going to be like, okay, what, what? Not if I'm, like, like buried in my phone and I got my Air- AirPods in. Okay, if you have your AirPods in, I get it. You're not going to hear them. But if you don't have your AirPods in, like, if you truly want to be the best that you could be, aren't you at the edge of your seat when a guy like that talks? You would think, right? Like, yeah. Clearly Matt Stafford's having an issue with this. Yeah. And he's one of those guys that you should be listening to every single thing he says. Uh, I think he's not putting himself out there as much. I think he's not, like, suggesting things. Does he have to, like, add add him on Snapchat and send him, like, a snap and be like, hey, you want to go to lunch together today? There's one, there's a certain way to, to, like, if I saw people on their phones, I'd be like, hey, like, what's up? Like, just strike up a conversation, right? And, I mean, just, you're going to see my personality. I don't think, Stafford doesn't strike me as that, like, where you see his personality, where he wants to be around and, and, present in the, or talk to me but if you are a guy that's going to talk to me i know that i'm looking to talk to you and soak up as much knowledge as possible from you so, but that all starts with somebody initiating it and typically it's not going to be the young guy that initiates it no so for these guys to be doing this right now and you've already went through like otas and showing up in april like how was stafford acting like in april that, that's what i want to know you know, I, I think it's more of a him problem and how he goes about his day, if that makes sense. No, I, I hear you. I just know it's a challenge everywhere everywhere in the world right now. If you're a teacher yeah. in a high school class, the challenge to get your students to actually pay attention to you is, is real. Um, you're building a team, a, a professional team, where you're there all day long. The challenge to come together as a unit and try to do something special, where you're a brotherhood, where you're on the same page, mm-hmm. where you're thinking the same thoughts at the same time, that's hindered. By the by, the fractured sort of attention that these things you know cause. Yeah. Um, but of course, from the RamosLaw.com text line, hate saying this, but okay, boomer. <laughs> all right, I get it. But we all have to admit and agree, right, that these things are not good for us, right? We all have to admit and agree that they're poisoning the minds of our children, right? At what point is that okay, boomer 
Or at what point do we stop doing the OK Boomer stuff and actually start paying attention to what's happening around us and doing something about it, huh? When's that going to be? Anyway, probably never. Probably. Probably never. Maybe this is our fate. The Broncos. It's going to get worse from here. It only gets easier. Until somebody makes it better. And that's why we're, we're not going backwards, Nate. We're going forwards. I know, but forwards. Gonna, it's going to become easier and easier to deal with these things and more and more acceptable. But we get stupider and stupider as we do it. We get less and less able to do these things on our own. Like, yeah. if you had to go, you know, downtown to a, 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 a destination, could you get there on your own without the map quest? Or without the I, I want to be, be fast and efficient, baby. I'm using Google. Uh, that's I'm what I'm saying. Those maps. Could you get there without it? I, I'm, I'm using. How would you get I, there if you didn't have Google? If the, you had no Wi-Fi, how would you get there? Yeah, my phone is dead, but that's going to add like ten minutes. I'm like, how I'm would like, you sure, get there? I know how to get there. Of course, I know. How, how would to you get, get somewhere downtown. you didn't know how to get? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You understand? Okay, where's the highway? No. Right. If there was a location you've never been there before and you weren't sure how to get there and you had no phone, you had no Wi-Fi signal, how would you get there? I understand what the, where the highways are. What if you didn't where know the highways that? go to? Right. So you I'm gonna, find a map. The, you open the map. I'm not going to. And you draw uh, and you write directions no, right the, on the heck third street. That? Left. I'm gonna figure this thing out before drawing on that map. I don't even know where to find a map at. And that's, I'm gonna figure this. I'm gonna drive to 25 my argument. and figure this thing out. You're making my argument. <laughs> we'll, we'll ask Troy Rank. He's gonna join us next. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. We welcome in Troy Rank, Johnson Auto Plaza Hotline. Troy, really quick before we get into the Denver Broncos stuff, um, is there any food that is appropriate to eat in the bathtub? Uh, that would there would not be appropriate for me in the bathtub. What about a beer in the shower, Troy? Uh, I have done that long ago. Yeah, pre-gaming, long, ready for a college football. Yeah, done long, that, but long uh, ago, not food. Last week, come on, Troy. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm not a big food in the shower guy. I, I've done a beer in the shower, but that's been years ago. <laughs> All right, so the Denver Broncos have some decisions to make. Sean Payton, George Payton in particular, trying to get this roster down to 53 from 90. Is straight out, Alberto, the star of the last week, not just in the game, but in practice and been making some significant strides. Does he make the team? Yeah, I don't think so. He's right on the bubble. Um, it felt like as the game went on that they were showcasing him. I'm familiar with that when I covered the baseball trading deadline for nearly 20 years. When a guy has struggled and all of a sudden he gets a little hot, he's just suddenly he's out there and basically for scouts to see. I would keep him because of the fact they don't have enough playmakers. He is a walking mismatch, plat on stripes, and he's shown a willingness to block over the last two weeks. I talked to a teammate after the game on Saturday, and he said something clicked. He's like, it was like a light bulb went on, something clicked. He's been an absolute beast blocking in practice. So, you know, that's why I would keep him. I know the concern is he and Greg Dulcich are the same player. He doesn't get playing time, and then it reverts back to the Alberto you had entering training camp. So I understand what's at play here. I just, he is such an offensive 
playmaker who's now showing a willingness to block, I would find a way to keep him. But I, I would say right now it's probably on the other side that they would look to move him. Troy, I want you to talk to us about Drew Saunders. I thought the kid played absolutely lights out the other night, but how do you get him on the field? How do you create a package? How do you, like, how does that look? Because you have two veteran linebackers that you feel really good about in Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton. So what do you think Vance Joseph is going to do with a guy like Drew Saunders? Well, you have to have packages for him. It's likely going to be a nickel and dime. He's got more range, arguably, than those two in pass coverage. Uh, I mean, again, he's young, and he hasn't seen all the looks, so I say that just based on athletic ability, he would have more sideline-to-sideline range. Uh, But you find packages for him in nickel or dime. You look for ways to use him in pressure, or he's lined up inside, and he's he's straight blitzing, or you line him up in, and he moves to the outside before the snap because he played a lot of outside last year for Arkansas. That's how you initially do it. And then at some point, if he keeps making plays, he just forces his way onto the field. I mean, we saw it with Alex Singleton last year. He was a special teams guy, and then you just give him opportunity, and you're like, this guy can't come off the field. He's a tackling machine. And so, you know, Josie Jewell and Singleton, in some ways, are similar players. That's why I said maybe there's a niche there for Sanders. I think initially, though, uh, oh, you look for packages for him, 10, 15 plays of – second, third down pass situations where he could either rush or be in coverage. That's where I would look for it initially. And if it prospers, then you just he forces his way to more playing time. Troy, in the Broncos 41-0 drubbing of the Rams, the Broncos had 10 drives, 80 total plays, 494 yards, 33 first downs, 152 yards rushing, 342 yards passing. Jared Stidham had a, a really nice night, 17-28 for 236 yards and a touchdown. Ben DiNucci had a pretty efficient night as well, over 100 yards and a touchdown himself. Why wasn't Russell Wilson able to have the same type of results with the offense? Well, they the practice reps have helped. They're further along in the process. They were going against straight twos, no starters, and in some ways that helps. You're going against the team you just played against all week that you've sort of game plan for. So there was factors involved, but I don't want to dismiss. Stidham played well, and he hung in there. He showed toughness. He showed accuracy. I couldn't believe he stayed in the game after he took that one big hit. I was like, man, did they just break his ribs or sternum? He stayed down. He missed the play. He's back in there. I like seeing that, especially from a backup, you know, that kind of toughness and dedication to the role uh, and showing that maybe they have an option because, frankly, Stidham had not played well until that point. He didn't play particularly well at Arizona. He should have had a pick six. He was okay against San Francisco. That game Saturday was by far the best I've seen him look counting anything in this offseason. But why didn't it look like that with Russell Wilson? You know, some of it is, you know, more reps against the team you've seen for a week, and you clearly had a, it looked like almost a game plan for They're not going to say they did, but it looked like they definitely had an idea how they wanted to attack him. And Russell Wilson can learn from some of it too, that sometimes you got to hang in there in the pocket and look downfield. And that's, that's that fine balance with Russ. Cause you know, do they want him to be decisive, hang in there or a decisive look, no go now run or decisive, hang in there deep pocket and look for the deep ball. I mean, there's somewhere there's a balance in there, but Stidham showed you a blueprint when this offense is absolutely clicking what it could look like. Okay, so Troy, get ready. I'm getting ready to give you a backwards compliment. Anybody that's able to, you know, cover baseball and be interested in baseball as much as I've seen you, Troy, should be able to tell me and our listeners, what's the difference between waived and released? Because I saw Kendall Hinton was waived, but Isaiah Prince was released. 
Yeah, it's it's based on service time. It's based on it's just it's terminology. One player based on service time gets waived, one gets released. I mean, it's essentially they're all cut, but it, it relates back. You should know it from your union days. It's just based on service time. It's my understanding of the terminology. Well, I, it's I, I veteran it. status yeah. versus rookie status. That's waived is cut, released is different because of the fact that you've had service time in the league. It's just, it's just for me, they're both synonymous. It means something to the player yeah. uh, because of the language, because it applies to the accrued service time in the league but for fans it really means not it's no separate a guy's been cut i mean that's the overarching term mm. okay uh jerry judy's injury pulled up lame with a hamstring last week we don't know how long he's going to be out how 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 does jerry judy's injury affect the construction of this wide receiver room and who do you think are the five or six guys who are going to make it yeah, from what I'm being told by sources, Judy's probably out three to four weeks, so you don't want to place him on IR because there's a realistic chance he returns for, realistically for me, Miami. I guess there's a chance Washington. I think that's a push. I just don't see that. You guys know better than anyone. You get a hamstring injury. Usually when it feels good, you give it an extra week. So that makes, for me, the first realistic game, Miami. So you don't place him on IR. So the receiver's left. You know, and Kendall Hinton, he's a great dude. I'm wishing him best and hopefully he lands back on the practice squad. He just he didn't play well the last two weeks. He had two penalties against San Francisco, and he didn't have a catch against the Rams. That hurt him. But Lil Dryden Humphreys made the team for me. He's earned it. He, he's been a frequent target the last two weeks. He stepped up. Marquez Calloway appears to be – I think he's going to make it, and he makes it over Hinton. Obviously, he's been cut. But Calloway benefits from knowing the offense because he hasn't popped like I thought I would see him pop in camp. It doesn't mean he can't, but he hasn't yet. So you have Sutton, you have Mims, you have Brandon Johnson, you have little Jordan Humphrey, and then you also have uh, Quez Callaway. That would be the ones I would go with, and then Judy would be active but not playing those first few weeks. Good stuff, Troy. On the roster, I mean. Yep, yep, good stuff, Troy. Appreciate you joining us. And uh, you don't eat in the bathtub, but you have had a beer in the shower. Thanks, Troy. Thanks, Troy. There goes Troy Rank at Denver 7. Brought to you by ROX, rocks, heating, and air. All right, guys, uh, the offensive line. Sean Payne had some praise for the big men. We're going to hear from him next. You've been admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Flynn, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Orlando Franklin joining me, Nate, on the Players Club, rocking it. 41-0, the Denver Broncos whooped up on the Rams in the last preseason game of the of the preseason, getting the Broncos record to 1-2. and two. Orlando, do you know what Sean Payton's preseason record was his first year in New Orleans? No idea. No, no, no. What was it? 0-3, oh, 0-4. Oh, 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 did they make him play in the, you know, the, what's it called, the Hall of Fame game? Was no, it, oh, and they went 1-3. One and three. They won the first game, and then they lost three straight. Dang. It doesn't really matter is the point, right? We don't want them to know what we're getting ready to do this year, so we're just going to you know, fly under the radar. 
Well, do you think the Ra- that's what the Rams are doing? They're going to end up being like because Cecil thinks they suck. He's like the Rams are horrible. They should have all retired two years ago when they won the Super Bowl. So we can't get an, an accurate read on this Broncos team based on the practice or the game against the Rams because they're not going to be a very good football team. I think the Rams are in a tough place right now. They have a good, they have an okay football team. Uh, they lack depth, and you know if injuries start happening, they're going to just drop right out of the race they play in a tough physical division a division that reminds me a lot of like back in the day with the Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens and just kind of Cincinnati and and those guys Um, but you know it's it's hard to get a grasp on a football team that doesn't play their starters and also Cooper Cup coming back from injury yeah you do you know once Aaron Donald gets out there on the field, you're still going to have to you know, assign three people to block him. Mm. Like He's still going to be wrecking havoc in the backfield. He will have 15 sacks this year. Even though, even though he's having a baby, he's not going to get you know all soft? <laughs> so he may get a little nicer. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, extra motivation. Don't hit him too, too hard. Right? <laughs> There's a little extra motivation the baby. There. Aaron Donald is a angry man. I mean, I think that guy's going to struggle whenever the door of football, like that, that door closes on him. I think he's going to really struggle with just how violent of a person he is. I mean, I know I struggle. I miss the violence of it every once in a while because. What do you do to release it? Or does it just stay bottled there's, up? There's nothing that I can do to release it. Punch Hope, a punch a wall or something. Yeah, I got tired. Of, I got tired about three years ago of replacing a drywall in my house. Is that right? Yeah. I put, I put a couple of holes in the wall after retirement. Like just frustrated. Get those big front. old paws. You're gonna have to replace the, a couple a couple pieces of drywall. <laughs> I've replaced enough drywall, Nate, from putting a hole in it that I know how to do drywall to re- to make the repair. Now is that right? <laughs> yes, the whole thing, the drywall aspect. That they we're gonna now go out there. We're gonna sand it down. We're gonna primer it. We're gonna throw some paint back. Up, I can do that back. repair by myself. Those back at Home Depot. <laughs> the usual. Yep. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Um, it's something that I struggled with. With football, they rant and rave. I mean, they want you to be as violent. There was a certain way that I played the game of football. You're rewarded and, for that. Exactly. And then all of a sudden. It just stops one day. And now, like, I got to go learn how to deal with, like, the real world from dealing with a world that I know exactly where I stand. So now I get into the real world. I have no idea where I stand. And it's this person's line, that person's line. And it's hard. It's frustrating. And you revert back to old tendencies because you're not able to kind of get that release. The thing that I loved about football when I first started playing was that I was able to bottle up that energy that I was having at school and mm. doing the extracurricular and the shenanigans and wait till Tuesday's practice, Thursday's practice, and just absolutely lose my mind out there and take it out on the field. And then it just stops one day. You're not allowed to do it anymore. Do you think there needs to be some sort of process that teaches football players how to release that or how to deal with those feelings off the field? And I'm not just talking about professional, but college, high school. I mean, the the earliest, I mean, Pop Warner, you're rewarded for being violent, right? Well, and so how does a child process the dichotomy of being rewarded for it here, but then punished for it out there? And what do you do if you're not on the field, but you have those feelings and that anger? Yeah, I, I think it has to start as early as high school. Because even right now, right, I had a tweet the other day that I had a very disturbing conversation with a young football player, 12-year-old, that's going into his second year of tackle football. And I was just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, what the pressure that this kid was feeling from his dad. What was he talking about? 
I'd rather not say okay. these things because, you know, he confided in me. Yep. But the pressure that he was feeling from his dad, well, guess what? Dad only played high school football, and dad is still dealing with these things, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think that there has to, you have to find a way to start educating these people and giving them different avenues to release different things all the way back through high school because the high school guys of the glory days, well, they take it out on their children back in the, later on in life where, hey, you got to do this and, we're, you know, baby Gronk and all these different things, right? Yeah. yeah. And then it only gets more and more significant as you go on from high school. Now you're able to play college football in front of, you know, 70,000 people, sometimes 120,000 people, and then it just stops. Or or you get to the NFL and you're able to make a little carve out a career and it stops. Like at some point it stops. And if you don't know how to deal with your stuff, like you're probably going to end up doing some bad things or end up, you know, just like not having the best quality of life. I didn't have a father who who instilled that sort of rage and aggression in me. He wasn't he wasn't living out, you know, his violent fantasy through me. Mm-hmm. He wasn't trying to um, relive the glory days through me. I can't imagine what it's like for a kid, a high school kid, to be trying to get better at your craft, to be the best athlete you can be, but then looking up in the stands or going home and dad's picking you up and, and he's trying to get you to do all the things that he didn't get to do. Like... That is a real issue, you know, and, and it's and it's one of those things where if you really want your child to hate that sport, you go ahead and put that on him. Yeah. You put that pressure on him and you make sure that he knows that it's about you and not about him and he'll end up hating that sport. You want him to love, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you didn't have anyone pushing you out on the football field telling no. you to do You did it because you loved the game. It, it was a release for you, same way for me. Yep. Um, and so, real quick about this offensive line my, for the Broncos. My mom didn't even understand the game of football. Yeah. My mom tried to get me, like, tried to push me to take a Division three basketball scholarship coming out of high school <laughs> rather than going to Division one to play football. You would have been absolutely mashing on, on D3 basketball, dude. Somewhere Zach buys like, hey, don't, don't talk. I think Zach played D2, though. D2 yeah. D2 yeah, skill level is way better. Yeah. All right, this offensive line for the Denver Broncos caught a lot of grief in training camp. They didn't look great in training camp. Now, I know it wasn't the starters out there uh, the other night, but the reserves put on a pretty impressive performance, 41 points, a lot of touchdowns, opening up holes for the running backs. Jaleel McLaughlin, we praised him. How about the offensive line creating the holes for him to run through? Jarrett Stidham all kinds of time back there. Uh, The keeper game, play-action game was really effective. Talk a little bit about these young offensive linemen, if you could. Yeah, my what coaching does to, to show a difference, right? Luke Wadenberg, I thought, played a, a stellar game. I thought he made his case to be on the 53-man roster, to be active come the season, and he just plays the center position. We haven't seen him play any other position. So I think, you know, Zach Streif, and credit to him, because last year under Butch Barrett, it looked like Luke Wadenberg wasn't ready to play football. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the Broncos do. Ultimately, I think because of how t- there is some talent and some diamonds in the rough with this team, so I think they're going to keep eight active. Mm. And you, we all know the starters, the, the, the highlights, right? You know, the greatest hits, the Garrett Bowles, the Ben Powers, the Lloyd Cushenberry, the Quinn Miners, the Mike McGlinchey. So if you have to put a you know gun to me right now and say who's going to make this football team other than those names, I'm going to say, you know, Luke Wattenberg, Kyle Fuller, Cam Fleming, and I think they're going to try to squeeze out Quinn Bailey as well on this that's, football that's team. That's nine. His versatility. So what about I Alex Palchewski? But uh, Alex Palchewski, you know, thank you very much. But maybe a practice squad. Alex 
Foresight, Foresight your, drive, yeah. your draft guy, he's going to be on this practice squad. Mm-hmm. They're going to try to sneak him through. I have always thought that that was going to be the case because he had an injury last year, so he's getting back from that. But I think that Sean Payton would like to keep eight on the active roster, but ultimately just a numbers game as far as like Wattenberg only playing one position and having such a big jump that you're going to now look at some of these guys and you might have to keep nine on the active roster. Well, I know we want our starting five offensive linemen to be healthy and playing every game this season, but if history is uh, any precedent, these guys are going to get injured. You are going to need the back end of the roster. How is Sean Payton and company going to assemble the back end of that roster? We're going to keep our eyes glued to the screen and to the airwaves over the next couple days as the Broncos go from 90 to 53. That's it for us, though. Here on the Players Club, stick around. Stokely and Zach, they're next.